Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a criminal, uh, whatever the opposite of a mastermind is, to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're taking another look at this week is the genetic fallacy. Yeah, genetic fallacy was the very first one we did way back, more than five years ago now, back in in kind of June... 2018 is that five years ago yes and as we said last time we're having another look at it because lots lots happened since then there's lots of new examples yeah and we have more probably to say about it than we did back then because we've been doing this a while now (laughs) and we've kind of got the hang of it we think (laughs) yeah and also just like aristotle that came out of the original ones it's not like if you spot it they go away because you just (laughs) point at it you go you go hey this is what you're doing and people and people in the world just say oh yeah all right we won't do that then <laughs> yeah and that, no that's it keeps what, coming up it's coming up yeah, yeah yeah especially ones like this the genetic fallacy is very common and partly because it's actually really a group of fallacies an ad hominem which is one of the more common types of fallacies mm-hmm. is really a genetic fallacy that's an example of a genetic fallacy because yep. the genetic part of that is genesis the beginning the start of something the origin of it yeah so this is about looking at a claim or an argument and not addressing the actual claim itself or the point of the argument, but the origin of that claim, where it comes from, who it comes from, things like that. Yeah. And pretending that doing that is a good answer and a logical way to respond to it. So it's kind of a cousin to whataboutism as well. Well, absolutely. And argument from authority, Mm -hmm. lots of those kind of all feed into genetic fallacies. Yeah. So our first example is just a great (laughs) example of Trump trying to talk. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges, the oranges of the uh, uh, investigation, the beginnings of that investigation. You look at the origin of the investigation, where it started, how it started, who started it, whether it's McCabe or Comey or a lot of them, where does it go? How high up in the White House did it go? You will all get Pulitzer Prizes, okay? You're going to all get Pulitzer Prizes. Uh, You should have looked at it a long time ago. And that's the only thing that's disappointing to me about the Mueller report. The Mueller report, I wish, covered the oranges, how it started, the beginnings of the investigation. I love the fact he goes in for a second go at the <laughs> Tries end. Tries it again. He, got, he kind of he sort of says it, and the you know the the uh, the AI software running uh-huh. around in his head he goes, "No, you haven't quite made that. You're going to have to you're going to have to find another word for that." <laughs> so he's instead of saying, "Oh yeah," so the content of this report is quite damning and trying to refute the content of it. it yeah. He just goes back to say, oh, well, you see, who who was the orange person? <laughs> says, well, you are. You're the orange person. Yeah. Who was who the one that started that? You've got to see where it comes from. Yeah. And tries to dismiss it. And he also dismisses the journalists. He said, <laughs> if you look at that, you'll get Pulitzer Prizes. And then if you can't 
compliment them at all. He has to take it away with the other hand, his other uh-huh. tiny hand, and say, yeah, frankly, I'm disappointed you haven't been to the oranges before now. Yeah. 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 So the content of a report about an investigation yeah. is really the kind of the key thing. Yeah. that That is what tells you what happened yeah and and what people did and that kind of stuff um how that investigation started could potentially be a useful thing to know like for example say a president was trying to force a foreign government to investigate their political rival by withholding military aid for example yeah i mean hypothetically yeah (laughs) Yeah. That is an interesting thing to look mm-hmm. at is is that origin. If yeah. an investigation comes out of that and then shows wrongdoing, that has to be addressed separately. Yes. The wrongdoing doesn't go away because the way the investigation started was bad. Yes. And and actually the parallels when well, I will talk about that um in my bit, but the the parallels are that the investigations say into illegal transgression of rules during lockdown by the very people that set the rules going, that investigation was started by the people that did the rule breaking during lockdown, possibly as a way of diverting attention from the fact that they broke the rules during lockdown. Not possibly, absolutely. That was why they did it. So, the, and and the origin, the oranges of the, that report became part of the findings of the investigation. So, yes, there was this diversion going on. You know, to say, well, we're the ones that triggered the investigation. Yeah, it doesn't let you off the hook just because you started the investigation. Yeah, much as you say that it did. Or you, that you didn't start the investigation doesn't let you off the hook. The oranges of wherever those investigations, neither here nor there. <laughs> you're comparing it to apples. That's <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So this is actually going to be quite a difficult one to talk about without walking the tightrope of possibly committing it ourselves. Because yeah. the people we're talking about are generally speaking pretty awful people Mm -hmm. and the sources that they use are fairly unreliable sources yeah and so sometimes we are going to be looking at them and saying well look look who's saying that look at where that's coming from yeah 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 And, and there are times when that when that might stray into being a genetic fallacy but this is quite a nuanced one uh because it also crosses over quite a lot with a thing that you should do as a good critical thinker which is considering your sources Mm-hmm. And if the source that you're using for a claim or an argument or evidence to back up your claim is an unreliable or untrustworthy source, then mm. it is uh, less of a good argument. It's less good evidence yeah. to support your argument than it would if you were using a reliable, trusted, independent source. Yeah. So sometimes that is what's what's happening. And actually people are not doing a genetic fallacy and and saying, well, we can rely on this piece of evidence because it comes from a reliable place. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're considering their sources and being responsible. And so spotting the difference between that isn't always easy. Because that was the whole point of the Mueller report, was that Mueller was a, a respected and a, a moderate with a small m investigator he didn't make outlandish claims and that was part of the problem with the Mueller mm. report is that he didn't term it yeah. he he kind of termed it as 
as double negatives rather than a positive, many of the findings. So the only recourse of action that Trump had was to go further back and say, well, yeah, but if Comey started that or Comey was the one that he interviewed, so he is, hasn't been able to dismiss Mueller. It's not the only recourse that Trump had because he also constantly tried to pretend that the origin or the, the source of that report, Mueller and his team, were tainted. Right. Even though they yeah. were largely agreed, I think, generally, to be independent and good, you know, investigators. Yeah. He called them radical, angry Democrats. Right. Because yeah. he didn't know what was going to be in the report yet. He didn't know. I mean, it didn't exonerate him, but he didn't know it yeah. was going to say that they couldn't prove collusion between him and Russia. And so expecting it to be bad, he spent all of the time it was being put together saying how awful the people who were putting it together were. Yeah. So that when it came out, he could say, well, look at who said this. It's bad people, bad, angry Democrats who hate Trump. Well, and the same happened with the uh, investigation into whether Boris misled Parliament. His acolytes were all you know, trotted out the uh, it's a kangaroo court and mm -hmm. they are uh, obviously socialists and communists <laughs> and you know leninists or maoists or or it was a political witch hunt they were certainly witch hunters and and then at the point at which the report came out and found that he had indeed misled Parliament. <laughs> he then crossed over to, he was denying the fact that, or he didn't deny it, he didn't agree with the, his acolytes were saying that until such time as they found him guilty of misleading Parliament and recommended that he be suspended for six months or whatever it was. Only then did he cross over and say, well, it's bloody witch hunt kangaroo <laughs> yeah, court. And yeah. and to try and abuse the the findings by virtue of the fact that these people were biased from the outset, even though from the outset he had said that they weren't. Yeah. So our second example, regular listeners will be aware that Trump is currently having some legal difficulties. <laughs> ah, and yeah. so he thought that a great idea would be to attack the people who are prosecuting him by putting together a little ad. How far will the most corrupt president in history go to keep Republicans from winning back the White House? Meet the cast of unscrupulous accomplices he's assembled to get Trump. Alvin Bragg, the radical liberal New York prosecutor who refuses to prosecute violent criminals. Jack Smith, who's made a career persecuting innocent Republican officials. Letitia James, the socialist who ran on the promise, I'll go after Trump. And Biden's newest lackey, Atlanta DA, Fonnie Willis. So incompetent, on her watch, violent crimes have exploded. So tainted, Willis was thrown off one case for trying to prosecute a political opponent. So corrupt, Willis got caught hiding a relationship with a gang member she was prosecuting. So dishonest, Willis was accused of creating a fake subpoena. Welcome to the fraud squad i'm donald j trump and i approve this message wow who would sign up to do that voiceover <laughs> a voiceover person who really needed some work yes yeah <laughs> yeah wow they yeah. Really enjoy, he really enjoyed the fraud squad, <laughs> the fraud squad. <laughs> starring leslie nielsen <laughs> yeah. so during that we get images of these people 
along yep. with headlines from various news sources. Yeah. And without immediately wanting to commit the genetic fallacy, those sources are mm-hmm. The Federalist, The Daily Mail, and Fox News, mostly. Right. Washington Times is in there as well, which is not quite as bad as the others, but yeah, pretty yeah. bad. And the thing is, the things that they said in that ad aren't wrong or lies because they come from untrustworthy sources. Mm. They are wrong lies that happen to come from untrustworthy sources. Right. Those sources, those news sources are unreliable and incredibly biased. Yeah. And also, they've lied about these things. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So not only are the things they've said worthy of some scepticism because they are uh, outrageously biased but the things that they've actually said that you would be legitimately where you wouldn't be uh you'd be forgiven for being a bit skeptical about the things that they've said they are actual lies or they're very economical with the truth no no some of them are actual lies yeah oh okay right (laughs) so right so not um, just new just just lacking nuance yeah yeah yeah. they're just out and out lies all right okay and this is the thing that we need to remember to be good critical thinkers is that when i see a headline that says it's from the daily mail Mm-hmm. My instinct is it's probably not true then, and and right. what I need to be doing is when I see a headline that's from the BBC or NPR yeah. or Washington Post, is yeah. to think well they also sometimes don't tell the truth. I should check that out. I should try and corroborate yeah. it. I shouldn't just assume that it's accurate, and I shouldn't assume that stories from the Daily Mail are untrue. Yeah, they're all worthy of investigation. Yeah, yeah. Worthy and, of and we, are, we are so yeah. much more likely to believe something that sounds right to us that comes from a source we trust. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's more likely. I think it, I think I, I mean, I'm trying really hard not to, not to <laughs> um, be unfair or illogical but I think it is fair to say that mm-hmm. a lot, a lot higher proportion of stories in the mail are untrue compared to sources like those other ones I mentioned, you know, Associated Press, Reuters, those ones. So just kind of quickly to give an overview of some of those claims that were in that ad. The Alvin Bragg stuff, where they said he refuses to prosecute violent criminals was one of the things they they said. He doesn't refuse to prosecute violent criminals. That's almost exactly the opposite of what he does. What what happened when he came in, in uh, January of 22, New York State having undergone some bail reform previously over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. he then did a bit more criminal justice reform where he said, we are not going to incarcerate non-violent criminals. So when we, right. when we prosecute, which we still will, yeah. those non-violent crimes of drug possession or you know things like that, shoplifting, etc., we're not going to give those people a custodial sentence. Yeah. Because um, what we want our police to be able to do is focus on the dangerous ones, the bad people who commit violent crimes. Yeah. So that's that's almost literally the opposite of what they said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and in doing that, yes, that means that some people who would be in prison aren't in prison because of his policies. Right. But yes. they're not, as the male said, violent criminals. 
I mean, the headline in the mail is terrifying rap sheets of 10 worst New York City criminals who were repeatedly released by Manhattan DA Bragg as he focused on Trump indictment. That's the headline in the mail. Wow. Um, They then list 10 people of which one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them are shoplifters. Right. Not not violent criminals. One is the unhoused guy who uh, set light to the fox news christmas tree a couple of years ago oh yeah yeah two of them are violent criminals they committed violent mm-hmm. acts both of those people are in prison now <laughs> right um, yeah. in fact three of the shoplifters are in prison as well because right. he right. didn't refuse to prosecute people at all all of the yeah. people who get who used to get prosecuted still get prosecuted still get prosecuted just just some of them that aren't violent criminals don't end up in jail yeah some of them get yeah released while awaiting trial because largely of bail laws that came in before he was DA. Right, right. <laughs> uh, okay. But that doesn't fit the picture, does it? Not so in any way, to, no. You've got to cherry pick the things and then, and, you know, let's not let a, the truth get in the way of a, of a good story. Yeah. But it, the, the fact that it opens up with... <laughs> The most corrupt president in history. Yeah, by which they mean Biden. Yeah, that's right. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Huh? That's a weird way to open an attack. eh? Yeah. yeah. My name is Donald J. Trump, and I am the most corrupt president in history, and I I sanction this video. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the Funny Willis stuff, they made four claims about Funny Willis. And they said she's so incompetent, on her watch, violent crimes have exploded. And there's a headline that says nearly 60% more murders so far this year in Atlanta from Fox News. That article was accurate, but it was from 2021, which was only six months after she became DA. And now crime is falling. Right, there you go. Yes, Uh, yes, Homicides in Atlanta are down nearly 25% from 2022. And rape has been cut in half. Aggravated assaults down twenty two percent. So, violent crime hasn't exploded. It it went up during the pandemic and continued to go up a bit, and then came down. <laughs> yeah, in the way that explosions do. So they explode yeah. and then yeah, they, out. they tend yeah. to go up and down a bit because very few graphs of things <laughs> that happen in real life are a flat line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the fact that it's gone down. For two years, out of the three that she's been in office, would that not be the majority thing to read? Yeah, you know, I mean, two-thirds of the time, kind of <laughs> gone down. third of the time, went up, and then she put stuff in place, and now it's gone down. That's a, you could make that argument. Yeah. yeah. So the claim that she's so tainted she was thrown off one case for trying to prosecute a political opponent is kind of maybe valid. That one, instantly, right. the source for that one is the New York Times, not not oh, one of their oh, okay. usual sources. Did she did, like recuse herself from it because not exactly? No, she was actually right. She was prosecuting uh, State Senator Burt Jones, who's a Republican, and uh, she had hosted a fundraiser for his Democratic opponent. And the Superior right. Court judge in the case said, "Actually, that's a conflict of interest." Right. And so she didn't continue with that case. Oh, okay. It was just she wasn't the right person to be doing that prosecution. Yeah, because of a, of a perceived conflict of interest. Yeah. But yes, if you choose to use the explosive language of a, a Trump attack ad, yeah. then yeah, 
Yeah, well, there's me being a genetic <laughs> analyst right there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the the third claim was she was so corrupt she got caught hiding a relationship with a gang member she was prosecuting. Now Trump actually has claimed she had an mm-hmm. affair with the gang member. Wow. Which is that, I think kind of, kind of implied by she was caught hiding a relationship. Her her yeah. relationship with this gang member was that when she was a defense attorney she defended him. Right. And then when she went to work for the DA's office and became a prosecutor, she prosecuted his gang. Right. Did she hide the fact that she, she didn't had hide defended? that? No. No, because <laughs> it's about a republic record. Yeah. So the relationship was one of paid professional client uh-huh. relationship. Wow. Yeah. Weasel words. Weasel yeah. carefully chosen mm. weasel words. Yeah. And finally, mm. so dishonest, she was accused of creating a fake subpoena. And that's just an out-and-out lie. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this this is about the same gang, actually. Right. There was a, uh, well, an accusation that a sham subpoena was used to obtain information from a car rental place about him and the gang. Yeah. But that subpoena was issued in 2016, four years before Fonnie Willis became district attorney. Right. So the DA, the Atlanta DA's office, four years before she was there, was accused yeah. of creating a fake subpoena. Right. Which is not quite the same. Uh, not quite the same no, as no. so corrupt she created, yeah. <laughs> Trump's purpose and the Trump campaign's purpose in, in doing it is saying, look at all of these mm. indictments that are coming, all of these attacks on Trump are coming from these horribly corrupt people. Therefore, yeah. the laws that he's being accused of breaking, the, the crimes that he's being accused of committing, can't be true yeah. because the people that are saying it are are corrupt and and in doing that they're using terribly untrustworthy sources yeah for lies about these people <laughs> for their yes wow okay so that's a it's a meta geneticception yeah <laughs> fallacy it's folded up on it yeah that's right we'll end up yeah i've just wait a minute i've just got to spin my little top on the desk yeah <laughs> Wow. And finally, in this section, we have a tweet from Lauren Witzker. Now, Lauren Witzker is described in her Wikipedia page as an American far-right and alt-right political activist known for her anti-LGBT views and promotion of QAnon. Yeah. She's also committing a genetic fallacy. She's not doing that because she's a hateful bigot. (laughs) Right. I mean, although arguably it factors in. Um, because right. she it, tweeted... She draws upon the hate <laughs> and the bigotry. It helps. Yeah. She tweeted about the uh, judge in Trump's... Uh, which one? That was the third indictment? Which, the DC which case? one is it? There's um, almost too many to count. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. I'm really losing track. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The one that happened at the beginning of this month, not the one that happened most recently or the superseding right. indictment that happened after that one. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> she tweeted... Trump's judge is not only hostile, but also a Jamaican immigrant with no understanding of true American patriotism or love of country. Immigrants should not be put in positions of authority because they will always rule against the, in quotes, racist countrymen. Soon this will be the future for all of us who oppose this communist takeover. Wow. So not only is she an immigrant, she's a communist. I guess. Or it's just communism to, to let immigrants be judges or something. Yeah. The fact that this woman is from 
Jamaica. Yeah. Means she can't she shouldn't be a judge and she and it's inevitable that she will rule against Trump. Right. Who is in in quotes racist. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. and that's yeah. why she'll she'll rule against him. Not because yeah. he committed all the crimes. No. But, but because um, she's from Jamaica. The law, yeah. Yes. Well it's a bit like it's the same argument, it's the same birther argument about Obama, yeah. isn't it? And and the the one early on where Trump said he can't be trusted as a lawyer because he's a Mexican. Uh, well, that was the example we used in our first genetic family. Oh, it is? So, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, there we go. Yes. Times move on. Some people don't change at all. History doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics. Corner. Well, when I looked at these ones, uh, and then I look back at yours, actually, it's much the same stuff. So these are, it turns out, you know, the kind of slanderous, awful things said about somebody who said something in response to a police inquiry or a government-sanctioned inquiry into the rule-breaking going on at Number 10 during lockdown. So this is 31st of January, seems so long ago, 31st of January 2022, and this is Keir Starmer responding to the discussion in Parliament in the House of Commons to the Sue Gray report into the rule-breaking going on number 10. And let's see how Boris responds. Our national story about COVID is one of the people that stood up when they were tested. But that will be forever tainted by the behaviour of this Conservative Prime Minister. Even now, he is hiding behind a police investigation into criminality, into his home and his office. Where do they stop? Well, Mr Speaker, the... There's, there's a reason why he said absolutely nothing about the report uh, that was presented uh, by, by this government and laid, put in the Library of the House earlier on today. That is because, Mr Speaker, the report does absolutely nothing to substantiate the tissue of nonsense uh, he has just spoken. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Instead, Mr Speaker, this, this leader of the opposition, a former... Director of Public Prosecutions, Mr. Speaker. He spent most of his time prosecuting journalists and failing to prosecute Jimmy Savile, as far as I can make out, Mr. Speaker. He, Mr. Speaker, chose to use it, chose to use this moment. He used this moment, Mr. Speaker, continually to prejudge a police inquiry. So basically, he's pointing out that we shouldn't listen to the testimony of Starmer, a former lawyer and director of public prosecutions. Because he's preempting the police report and making a judgment on the report that was going to be the Sue Gray report that's being filed in the, the House Commons Library, which does say all of the things that Starmer says it says. So the fact that it's a tissue of nonsense is is just Boris deflecting. And we shouldn't listen to him because he failed to prosecute Jimmy Savile, the serial paedophile and abuser and was a friend of Margaret Thatcher and a donor to the Tory party and all of that kind of stuff. And it's an off-quoted meme by the far right that he's not true. He didn't. He had nothing to do with it. He was in, as the Director of Public Prosecutions, he was in charge of prosecutions and there was insufficient evidence discovered by the police at the time, so they didn't forward it to the Director of Public Prosecutions in order to bring about a prosecution. What's delightful about listening to this year on 
is that we're now the other side of Boris having been both fined for breaking the law following the police report and found to have misled Parliament following the Sue Gray report. (laughs) And we know that Starmer was right in all that he said and why Boris tries to deflect that. So that's the other way of countering this fallacy, I guess, is with hindsight, is that you can can say, well, crimes were committed and you were guilty of them. Whether I was the lawyer that had done the things that you said I'd done doesn't alter the fact that you did the things that you did do and the law caught up with you and found you guilty of them. Yeah, I think in terms of countering, this is known as a fallacy of of relevance. Mm -hmm. And those, I think, are probably one of the easier kinds of fallacies to counter. Because essentially what you have to do is get it back on track. Yeah. Because it's just a way of trying to take take not the argument that is being made and focus on something else. Yeah. And so if you you can say, well, you know, it doesn't matter where the report came from. What does the report say? Is there a reason yes, to yes, not exactly. believe the facts that are laid out in the report? Yeah. And and sometimes where that report comes from might be a reason not to believe them. If there is a method and motive for the person who put together the report to lie about it, mm. you know, the origin might be an answer to that. But yeah. if they are facts that have come to light, um, then arguing about why we started to look at those facts is very different from refuting the facts themselves. That was one of the arguments everybody else made because Boris appointed Sue Gray and Sue Gray fundamentally reported to Boris. And he, in the position that he was in as Prime Minister, would get the final say as to whether any action needed to be taken as a result of the report. Yeah, it's like when the police... Uh, do an internal investigation as to whether the police did something wrong. Mm. Uh, you know, in almost every case, it comes back, turns out they did everything right. What a shock. Weirdly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right, yeah. We're institutionally racist. No, we're no, not. No, turns we're out not. we're brilliant. That's, yeah. <laughs> we're fantastic. If anything, we're underpaid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> underpaid. And we need to recruit more white people. So the second example is that uh, Rishi Sunak, who remember when uh, he was elected after the, the one leader after Boris, yeah, he said he'd govern with integrity, professionalism and accountability at every level. But despite that, he wades into the same grimy, fetid, genetic fallacy arena in the last PMQs before the summer break in July this year. In responding to Stephen Flynn, our new favourite hero, who's the leader of the Scottish National Party in Westminster, and he asked this somewhat double-bladed, it's like a, what do you call that, a double-edged sword? Yeah, it's kind of like that, but it's not, because he's not cutting him, he's cutting both Tories and Labour. Mr Speaker, the two-child benefit cap, as introduced by the Conservative Party, has left 250,000 children living in poverty. So can I ask the Prime Minister, does he take comfort in knowing that the heinous legacy of that policy will no longer just be protected by Conservative members, but by Labour members too? Mr Mr. Speaker, I welcome the uh, Labour leader's newfound support for our policy, even though he previously committed to a different approach. But what I would say to the Honourable Gentleman, and indeed the Labour front bench is that they don't have to worry too much because given the Labour leader's track record he's never actually kept a promise that he's made. 
So even though Rishi isn't answering a question posed by Starmer, he calls Starmer's credibility into question slash fails to deny the heinousness of the policy by pointing to Starmer's not having kept any promises, <laughs> which is completely unsubstantiated. In the context of governing, he's not in power. So he doesn't have to deliver on <laughs> no, any promises. It's really hard to keep promises you make about what you would do in power if you don't get into power. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If you're not in power, yes. Unlike Rishi, of course, yeah. not least of all his promise to govern with integrity, professionalism and accountability at every level. <laughs> if anything, <laughs> the Tories should probably let Labour have a go for a bit just so that they can get back into complaining that they didn't do anything when they, they were in power. Because yes, it's been such a long time now. That yeah. you know they they're running they, out of they, things to they, say about it. They've legit, yeah, the kind of the <laughs> legitimacy of saying we've had to repair everything that you broke. Yeah, when we got in power, go, yeah, that was that was <laughs> people who were born when you got into power are now going into secondary school. Uh-huh. They're now teenagers, yeah. and you're still moaning about what you received. The bad side of being in power for so long is that yeah. is that people expect you to actually have done something actually useful. do some governing <laughs> yeah do some stuff whereas yes. otherwise you can constantly say well i didn't have time you know i, I yeah. tried i put things in place then the other guys got in and ruined it all yeah well yeah. which is true in the case of the tories because <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of other guys, guys have got in and ruined everything yeah <laughs> that's yeah. true so you know they don't really need an opposition a when as stephen flynn points out they've both got the same policy vis-a-vis yeah. capping the benefit on uh, more than two children. The Tories, their own opposition. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Labour Party are stabbing each other in the back. Yeah. Finally, for our third example, here's both the right and the left. So we've got Rhys Mogg on the right and Mick Lynch on the left, calling into question the integrity of the messenger in the shape of the BBC when interviewed by both being interviewed on separate occasions by Michelle Hussein on the Today programme. Because of the mini-budget, we had to have rounds of emergency bond buying. Three Bank of England interventions have taken place since the mini-budget. And when the Bank of England governor said yesterday that that was going to come to an end, immediately the value of sterling dropped. Hold on. You suggest something is causal which is a speculation. And I think jumping to conclusions about causality uh, is not meeting the BBC's requirement for impartiality. It is a commentary uh, rather than uh, a factual question. Do you say your members are making a sacrifice? Now, it was estimated at £1,500 on average in the the summer. What's, What's the amount now? Why are you pursuing an editorial line that I could uh, read in The Sun or The Daily Mail or any of the right-wing press in this country and you're not pursuing the fact that working people, millions of them, are being impoverished and some of them made destitute by the attitude of this government and by their employers? I find this a shocking stance that the BBC will take. You're just parroting the most right-wing stuff that you can get hold of on behalf of the establishment. And it's about time you showed some partiality towards your listeners and to working-class people in this country who are being screwed to the floor by the attitudes and policies of this government. They're called questions. Mick Lynch from the RMT union. Thank you. I love that. They're called questions. (laughs) They're just called questions. Yeah. And know how they both use the impartiality argument. (laughs) So you need to be more impartial 
and you need to be more partial. I mean, to be fair, the BBC are unacceptably right wing slash left wing. Yeah. So yeah, because yeah. they're meeting the old adage: if you're pissing <laughs> on both sides of the political uh-huh. spectrum, then you must be doing something right. It's rather depressing that after five years of looking at <laughs> this kind of stuff, the same thing is happening. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Don't believe me if I tell you, not a word if this is true. Don't believe me if I tell you, especially if I tell you that I'm doing all this for you. Don't believe me if I tell you, that the point I make is true. It might just be some other silly fallacy I'm clinging to. Don't believe a word. Cause words are so easily spoken And if it sounds like it's a promise It's made to be broken Phil Linnett there of Thin Lizzy and don't believe a word Gotta say I was hoping for something from Genesis Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, that, mm, yeah, I did toy with uh, how can I believe you when you tell me that you love me when yeah. I know you've been a liar all your life. That's not a bad one. No karaoke versions of it. Well, there's uh, there's Megan Trainer's, uh I know you're lying, your lips are moving, that one. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, there's lots of options. Yeah, yeah. 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 Damn it. <laughs> Next time, when we revisit it yeah, again, yeah. Five years time, time, I'll yeah. choose one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, in the Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about the Fallacy of the Week from a non-political perspective, and our first example this week comes from Murder, She Wrote. This is an episode where Jessica Fletcher is visiting family, as usual, or friends, I think, actually, in this instance, in Canada, one of whom is on trial, and she is called as a witness. The lawyer here is Patrick McGowan, the the wonderful... Patrick McGowan, who is chewing the the scenery here like nothing else. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, he has uh, an interesting way of discrediting her as a witness. J.B. Fletcher, have you any recollection of being committed to the State of Maine Institute for the Criminally Insane between the months of May and July in the year 1985? Objection. Sustained. I was never committed anywhere. I entered the institution voluntarily. Under the care of Dr. Sidney Bachman, who is a specialist in the field of criminal psychosis? Yes, I was researching a book. Indeed. What a perfect subterfuge. The book was called Sanitarium of Death. It was dedicated to Dr. Bachman. Out of gratitude, no doubt, for the excellent care you received. Your Lordship, I must protest. Mr. Quayle is attempting to smear with innuendo a woman of impeccable reputation and character who comes from a respected family in New England. <laughs> so, Quayle, Patrick McGowan. Yeah. And, and this isn't even really that necessary because her testimony isn't very damning, but he completely right. destroys her character by, <laughs> yeah. by pretending that her time spent researching a book in a sanitarium was, was her being committed to a mental health. criminally insane. And the prosecutor does a kind of similar thing in claiming that she is from what a, a very good yes, family in New England. From New England, all places. That doesn't mean anything. 
the fact no. that where she's <laughs> no. where she's from or what kind of family she's from it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean she's telling the truth and then after this bit he goes on to trash her family because of course this is jessica fletcher and so many of her relatives have been accused of murder (laughs) so he brings up two of her nieces that were accused of murder and one of her nephews who was accused twice of different murders so uh, to to completely trash her her good family from new england and also getting some meta references because we all (laughs) know that because we've seen yeah they were all in previous episodes anyway yeah 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 brilliant so yeah, so that's kind of the re- the reverse because I guess with all the examples that we've had so far are where people have employed this fallacy in order to discredit the speaker and yep. the content of what the speaker is commenting on or bringing to bear, but the prosecutor is bringing is like a, a positive reinforcement of. So they're they're crediting the speaker, and that is just as. And I guess that's one of those cognitive biases Uh that if if you're, you wouldn't dismiss somebody saying, "Oh yeah, but they're they're actually an expert in this because they come from a a whole long line of experts that live in New England." (laughs) You just go, "Oh yeah, no, I I know expertise, and I and I know New England, and I'm not fed up with experts," and. Rather than somebody who's denigrating them, going, "Oh, they come from that you know awful bloody place in New England," they go, "No, just a minute." That's <laughs> whereas you you tend to, where people are being positive about people in order to back up their testimony, you would kind of ignore that one, yeah. and you'd only absolutely spot the yeah. ones where yeah. they're doing it down. It is because yeah. an ad hominem is is sometimes called an ad hominem attack. And is almost mm-hmm. always negative. Right. Whereas, yeah, this is an aspect of the genetic fallacy, which is kind of the yep. opposite of that, like a reverse mm. antihominum. Because, yes, it it is still talking about the person. Yeah. But it's suggesting in an in an irrelevant way. Yeah. That what they say is to be trusted. You know, if you're talking yeah. about the person's background or or experience or training or education or whatever as a reason to trust the things they're saying about that subject, mm-hmm. then that's not fallacious because at all. Because you would get an expert witness. Yes, yeah. that's exactly but what you But if you're saying need. something positive about them and mm. saying, therefore, you should believe what they say, but it's not relevant to the thing they're saying, yeah. that's yes. a genetic fallacy just as much. So, we, yes, what would have been interesting for this episode, we'll do this when we do it again in five years, <laughs> we'll just find the positive versions yeah. of it. Well, so I've got people... another one coming up in a minute, so... Uh-huh. So stick around. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> stick, stick around. Stay tuned. Don't people. touch that dial. Don't touch so. that dial. Yeah. <laughs> but first, our next example is from The Simpsons. And this yeah, is yeah. an episode where, in fact, this is a little bit kind of a positive one, but it is on the back of a negative one. Because this right. is an episode where Lisa has been accused of being a dumb blonde because she's blonde. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and so she's getting into debate and and the her her opponent beats her by basically just talking about the fact she's blonde and therefore must be stupid and her arguments can't be and that completely works with the debate judges and yeah. so lisa decides to dye her hair brown <laughs> for the last de- for the next debate dressing in uniforms is a good thing if everyone looks the same it levels the playing field hmm well, very smart that's well reasoned a true brunette it's better to just fit in with the crowd she's as bright as her hair is dark oh i can't go on this rebuttal is a sham <gasps> you aren't being persuaded by the content of my argument you're being convinced by the color of my hair <laughs> that's absurd although her brown hair makes a persuasive case <laughs> 
So, yeah, Lisa, the uh, the logician, can't accept that even though it's working and she's winning yeah. the debate, yeah, she yeah, can't yeah, accept yeah. that it's not because they're listening to the things that, that yeah, she's saying. Just so the she color of her throws hair. it all yeah. away. Yeah, but even even that the persuasiveness of pointing uh-huh. out that logical inconsistency <laughs> yeah. um, is, but he, he falls on the, the woman judge because she's, yeah. So she's brown hair, so yeah, brown brown hair is making a persuasive <laughs> argument. Even when the point is pointing out the logical <laughs> point of that. Really good. Yeah. She looks really weird with brown hair as uh-huh. well. That's yeah, yeah. I was watching, I think something different about her. What is it? Yeah. 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 So our final example and the other positive one is uh-huh. from uh, the film Twilight. Uh not the one that you're thinking of though. Not right. the one with yeah. sparkly vampires. No. This is a kind of neo-noir detective thing with a fucking brilliant cast. Paul Newman, Gene Hackman, James Garner, Susan Sarandon, M. Emmett Walsh shows up for like 20 seconds. Well, Reese Witherspoon's in it, Lee Schreiber. It's just Excellent, excellent cast. Paul Newman plays this old retired private eye and he has this exchange with James Garner. You probably already know that Ivar was the investigating officer when Billy Sullivan killed himself. Can't call it suicide, they never found a body. LA Times called it a suicide, that's good enough for me. Yeah, James Garner's character is um, making that mistake. He's committing the genetic fallacy by assuming that because because the LA Times said it, therefore... You can rely on it. It's it's prob- it's true. And I was kind of, I was watching, thinking, yeah, that's a fairly reasonable thing to say because he's Jim Rockford. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, so it's fallacy yeah. upon fallacy. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, good enough for me if Jim Rockford says it. Yeah, yeah. And so it seems like he is falling into this logical cognitive trap thing, mm. but actually he's using the genetic fallacy against Paul Newman here because this isn't. It doesn't give it away to say that he knows it wasn't really a suicide. So, ah. so yeah, he's saying he's saying, well, you know, the LA Times said it as a kind of saying, well, you should. I'm convinced you should be convinced because they say. I'm gonna have to go and watch it now. It's pretty good. It's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for Fake News, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Okay, so now before we talk about the authenticity of the score, I think we should draw the listeners' attention to some of your other successful book titles. For instance, How to Make the Scoring System Look Authentic, Even Up Close, A Guide to Playing (laughs) Monopoly at Christmas Family Gatherings, and... I think I've worked it out. An investigation into how to make several spurious sums involving donkeys add up to 2,000 mules. That way, we can see the context against which I'm attempting to compete. Yeah, I think I think I needed a snappier title for that second one. That's probably why I didn't yeah. sell very well. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to add legitimacy to it. By, yeah, yeah. So these examples are yeah. from a recent... Uh, interview that Trump did with Eric Bolling, who is, I think, on Newsmax. I didn't actually spot the Chiron in the corner that, that said which right. which stupid anti-news organisation <laughs> he's from. 
okay, yeah. So it's possibly a fallacy I think it there. Could be, could be Fox, could be OAN, could be Newsmax. They're all basically the same. Yeah. <laughs> when we put this one out, there should be a little alarm that goes <laughs> every off time every we time actually, the genetic yeah, we fallacy is, yeah. <laughs> is deliberately or otherwise used. So, uh, yeah. so whoever Eric Bolling works for, that's uh, who interviewed Trump. And Wasn't he the guy that got fired from Back to the Future? Uh, that's Eric Stoltz. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Different, yeah. different guy. As far as I know, <laughs> unless he's changed his name. Yeah, to protect the innocent. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, he was obviously asked about some of the issues that he's dealing with at the moment. Yeah. And he was asked, first of all, if he thought that Biden was not taking Trump's run for the White House seriously enough. Mm-hmm. He said, no, he's not taking it not seriously. He's probably taking it more seriously than any candidate in history because he has the Justice Department that he said he was going to do. If you look back two years, he made a statement that we will stop Donald Trump. Then he goes, constitutionally. He doesn't even know what the Constitution is. The guy can't put together two sentences. He can't talk. Every time I watch him, it's almost like he's walking on eggs. You wonder, is he going to get through the sentence? (laughs) What? Walking on eggs? Uh Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So he has the Justice Department that he said he was going to do. Uh, all right. Okay. Yep. If you're looking <laughs> right. for someone who can say two sentences, this guy. Yeah, yeah. Statement number two. Mm-hmm. I really believe it's actually just helping me. You see, all the people with the when every time they do a new one, a new indictment. My ratings go up in the polls. Biden and his crazy degenerate prosecutors at the Department of Injustice. Everybody knows it's a hoax, and it's because I'm leading Biden by far, by far. They don't know what to do, so they throw another indictment on the pile. But honestly, I think if I get one or two more, I win. I win automatically because everyone knows it's wrong. <laughs> I win automatically. Because <laughs> everyone knows it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, statement number yeah. three. Mm-hmm. This is a nasty, nasty world, as we found out. Probably it's never been nastier than it is right now because we have sick people. We have sick people in office. And again, they're a bigger problem than the outside world because the outside world, you can, for the most part, you can cajole, reason with. They need things that we have. You can do things with them. But these people that we have, these radical fascists and Marxists that we have in our government, you can't talk to them. They're nuts. <laughs> what the fuck is he talking about? Okay. Yeah, righto. Cajole. Mm. Okay. It's an Aussie Aussie word. We've, we've, he's just doing that rambling thing. We've got an Aussie word because no, we've got sick people and then cigarette, the bigger problem than the outer world. <laughs> Because the outside, what? That, okay. Mm. You can cajole and reason with. Oh, hello. Yes. Okay. Oh, God. Right. Well, that but he's not taking it not seriously, and he has the Justice Department that he said he was going to do. <sighs> Walking on eggs. You see that? Mm, that's sort of Trumpy. Um, 
Well, they're all Trumpy, obviously. Uh, everyone knows this hoax because it is my eye. Radical fascists. Okay, so on the basis of nothing whatsoever, I, th- I see. Um, I think you're trying to sell me crazy ge- degenerate prosecutors. Leading them by far, by far, they don't want to do so. Throw another indictment on the pile. I win automatically. Oh, I so want that to be real, but I, I don't think it is. So I, I think number two is the one that you made up. Okay, so of the other two, which are you more convinced by? I'm well convinced. I think probably number one. Okay, and number one. Yeah. Is yeah, real. Whoa. No, he's not taking it not seriously. Uh, he's probably taking it more seriously than any candidate in history because he has the Justice Department that he said he was going to do. If you look back two years, he made a statement that we will stop Donald Trump. That he was constitutionally, he doesn't even know what the Constitution is. The guy can't put together two sentences. He can't talk. Every time I watch him talk, it's almost like he's walking on eggs. You you wonder, is he going to get through the sentence? Every time I watch him talk, it's like he's walking on eggs. Yeah, that's a great thing to say while you're complaining that your opponent can't can't talk. The guy can't put together two (laughs) sentences. Uh Every time I watch him talk, it's almost like he... Walk. What? You it's what? Walk, it's 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 either walking on eggshells, in which case I mean that still doesn't really work with talking. No, though. it'd be wading through treacle. Surely, is he going to get through the sentence? That would be. I mean, yeah, that would. But he doesn't. Trump has no idea what he's going to say next, so he doesn't think. You know, he's not by any means. Christopher Hitchin, who would, <laughs> who would think in entire paragraphs. Oh my God! Yeah. So he's not. He's probably take just stop with the bloody hyperbole for Christ's <laughs> sake. He's probably taking it more seriously than any candidate in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Biden, his yeah. his political opponent right now, is yeah, probably it, taking Trump's twenty twenty four candidacy more seriously than any candidate in history. I'd say that's probably yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, because he has the Justice Department that he said he was going to do top five, definitely of of all candidates in history taking Trump's twenty twenty four run seriously. Yeah, Yeah. but 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 mainly because he has the Justice Department that he said he was going to do. Yeah, yeah. He did say he was going going to do the Justice Department, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he has, so he's he can't even tie the bloody verbs together. <laughs> he has the Justice Department that he said he was going to have. Or he does he the did. Justice Department he, he said just... he was going to do. Yeah. Or he did. <laughs> yeah, or he did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. So, uh, that's real. Uh, no, and you also I can't think yeah. number three is real. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, number three. Yeah. It's real. This is a nasty, nasty world, as we found out. Uh, Probably it's never been nastier than it is right now because we have sick people. We have sick people in office. And again, they are a bigger problem than the outside world because the outside world, you can, for the most part, you can uh, cajole, 
reason with, they need things that we have. You can do things with them. But these people that we have, these radical fascists and Marxists that we have in our government, you can't talk to them. They're nuts. <laughs> what? People so can, in the outside world, outside world need things can, we have. You can do things with them. With them. Yeah, yeah, you can for the most part. You can control reason with it. So fundamentally what he's saying is, yeah, the general public, yeah, I can, I can persuade to give me money and manipulate. Whereas <laughs> the people in office, yeah, can't. the radical fascists, not just yeah, the, they won't do the, what I want. The, left, the right wing, but the left wing also, the radical fascists can't do anything, can't no. talk to them because they disagree with everything I say. Ergo, they're nuts. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's just, it, it continues to sicken me that th- this country that gave us Abraham Lincoln <laughs> and, and Barack Obama who can speak wonderfully, and they've got this guy, the kind of mafia boss, yeah. who just says, we have sick people, sick people. They're nasty. Yeah, he called uh, he called Jack Smith a sick puppy in this interview as well. Oh, man. <laughs> and they're nuts. Uh-huh. You can't talk to the... It doesn't even mean anything. It just... He took... Ah, the, oh, there was an article I read about him that somebody said, no wonder Rico's been slapped on him because he uses the language of the mafia Absolutely. from the 50s. Yeah. You know, calls people dirty rats and, you know, and <laughs> stool pigeons. Uh-huh. You know, it's all, all that kind of hep cat talk <laughs> that he grew up with so in the 50s. Your, That's what your, he was listening to. decades. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. I went all Cab Calloway then. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that means that number two is is made up by me. Uh, Well done. Spotted that. You got that one right. I think it was I went automatically because everyone knows he's wrong. Was yeah. just a, just it's a too game much, too far. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn! Why? I should be. Why am I giving you notes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a, yeah, but it's good. Uh, but you weren't the only person who go, who went with number two. Oh yeah. On, on Patreon, Alice yeah. and Colleen both went with number two. Well done. Well done. And Renee went with number one. On uh, well. She said, I'll choose number one as fake news. I'm pretty sure number three is true, so that means number two is really fake news, but I'll stick with number one. So. <laughs> I like that. That is, wow. Wow. Uh-huh. That's good. That is, I must have read that again. <laughs> I've got, what, okay. uh, I'll, I'll choose number it. one as yeah. fake news. I'm pretty sure number three is true, yeah. so that means number two is really the fake news, but I'll stick with number one. It's kind of Monty Hall herself there, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. On Facebook, meanwhile... Mm-hmm. Andrew and Scott both went for number three. Uh, ah. Andrew said uh, number three because I can't imagine Trump using the word cajole. Uh, yes, reasonable. that was I did. I did hesitate at that moment. Yes, uh, Scott says yeah. I think number three is the one you made up. I'm almost certainly wrong, but that's my choice. So, ah, ah there we go. Okay. But I do, I do like Renee's um, logic there. <laughs> that's that's excellent. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll choose that one because I think that one's that, and that, so that means the other one is. But I'll stick with the one I've chosen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mad fool. Yeah. <laughs> so if you'd like to uh, join in and and have your successes or failures read out, then uh, just be constantly on our Facebook group or in Patreon. Good. Well done, people, for joining in. Hey, and that means we're now on. I've gone up one. Yeah. Yeah, fifty-seven out of one hundred twenty. Fifty-seven out of one hundred twenty. So that's oh, that's nearly half. I think it's your fourth. <laughs> Have I ever actually got above? You 50%? oh, you so nearly did. You got oh, you got to fifty. Me. 
And, yeah. and I think maybe you, you got like a point above 50, Oof, but you never quite yeah. made it to 51. I don't no. think. I could be wrong. I have to go back God into the archives. It. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, you're on about 47% thereabouts yeah. at the moment. So, yeah. I'll refer you back to your book, <laughs> How to Make the Scoring System Look Authentic, Even Up Close. <laughs> yeah, don't believe a word. <laughs> And it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Rico is not a logical fallacy because it's August. So it's time for a new indictment. indictment. (laughs) Actually, I'm a bit disappointed that the last one happened on August 1st, because if it had happened on the previous day, on July 31st, Uh we would have had an indictment in June, July and August. Uh So... So then yeah. I'd be waiting for the September indictment from from uh, Michigan, I think it'll be the next one. Arizona, actually. I don't know. One of them. Yeah. Right. One of the ones with the awesome woman governor. Can't remember which yeah. which awesome woman governor wants to indict Trump next. This time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Trump has been indicted again, this time in Fulton yeah. County. And this time, not just Trump. I mean, it was not yeah. just Trump last time because it was Walton Outer and then subsequently uh, Carlos Oliveira. But this time... It's Trump and most of the people who were unindicted co-conspirators in the previous yeah. one, and also a ton more people. Like yeah. nine, there's 19 total indictees. Is that what you call them? Probably. From now on? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of charges. In total, mm. there's 40, uh, 41, sorry. Wow. 13 of which Trump has been indicted on, which brings his, his 2023 total to 91 charges that he is currently under wow wow i asked on twitter if anyone happened to know who the u.s politician with the most indictments in history is yeah yeah but no one seems to have done that work wow there are wikipedia pages of u.s politicians who have been convicted of things yeah but there's a lot of them Right, oh God. Turns out politicians aren't great people. I mean, it's a shock to me. Yeah. But you'd have to go into every single case and kind of go back to to its oranges and and figure out how (laughs) many charges they were originally indicted with because you're not going to get convicted on everything. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So just there's so many. And this only happened on, like, Tuesday, so... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But the, the, the thing about this indictment is... It's a it's a marvelous one on several counts, not least the Rico of the title, mm. because they're kind of charging him like he's a mafia boss in charge <laughs> of a syndicate of of organized crime. Yeah, and yeah. framing that suddenly makes sense for <laughs> indicting the co-conspirators. Yes, because they're all working towards perpetuating this falsehood. knowingly, which is the one that kind of came out the last one, was they were um, establishing the the fact that he knew that he'd lost the election, so was just perpetuating a a falsehood. And this one is saying, well, the acts that you performed in the perpetuation of that falsehood constitute organised crime. Yeah. So RICO is uh, Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organisation Act. Um, the federal RICO Act, in 1970 it came out. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was designed for mob bosses, really, because what they found was they could get evidence on people doing crimes, 
but yeah. they couldn't at that point prosecute successfully people who told them to do the crimes. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. and so RICO is is about basically recognizing that crimes in in organizations in when it's organized crime. Yeah. They don't yeah. happen in a vacuum. They happen as mm. part of a series of different things that someone tells you to go and you know take care of that guy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That means something, and that person can then be prosecuted as well. I guess the person who made Rico famous, probably, ironically, is Rudy Giuliani, who used it in New right. York to bring down yeah. some of the down, uh, yes. the local mafia there, and yeah. he is one of the indictees yes. in the Georgia Rico <laughs> case. Um, the Georgia Rico yeah. statute, incidentally, is from 1980, so a little bit after the federal one, and it's quite a lot broader. Mm-hmm. In as much as there are there are more things that can be considered overt acts that that feed into it, and so it's arguably easier to show connections between the people who did things which led to the ultimate thing being against the law. In this uh, lawsuit, Fonnie Willis and her team have mentioned 161 overt acts of racketeering activity. Wow! So those are things which, in and of themselves, wouldn't in all cases at least, be illegal. Some of them would be illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're yep. all acts that were undertaken as part of this conspiracy to yep. overthrow the election, essentially. And because mm. they were an overt act that was taken as part of this overall conspiracy, then yep. they are featured in here as, a, as evidence of there being a conspiracy and of these people all taking working in a coordinated steps way to make yeah. it happen yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and so what's that what that's led to is is lots of people on the right wing saying things like oh looks like just calling people on the phone is against the law now and having a meeting yeah. with people is against the law and and uh, and asking questions about the elections against the law um which is a bit like if someone took out an insurance policy on a building and then set light to it mm. And and then you said, oh, it looks like having insurance is against the law. Yeah, looks yeah, like yeah. lighting a match right, yeah. is against the law. Looks like pouring gasoline all <laughs> yeah, over your yeah. own floor is against the law yeah. all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, or burning down a crooked pub that you've just <laughs> yeah, bur- yeah. bought yeah. And, and then raising it to the ground. Oh, looks like hiring a <laughs> shovel dozer is against <laughs> yeah. the law now. Absolutely. So that, yeah. the thing, all of yeah. these individual, all, in, in many crimes all of the things that you do to achieve that crime in 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 and of themselves individually yeah. aren't illegal acts but when you put them all together yeah or the you reason that crime. you made that phone yeah. call yeah so oh it looks like making a phone no that's that, no making a phone call isn't getting making a phone call yeah. to to a governor to say can you find me 11,000 votes or you'll be waking up with the horse's head in your bed. Yeah. You know, that's the bit. It's not that, no, oh, so speaking words to people in various orders, that using English, you're, you, it's like the Stuart Lee sketch. <laughs> you, could be, you could be arrested and thrown in jail just for saying you're English these days. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you? Yeah. <laughs> well, just for saying you're English, no. No. No, you can't. No. Yeah. No. That is a bad defence, but it is a defence people are using, not like... Mm. Ju- some people who are involved in the case or part of the case and and also just all of the people who love Trump and want to see that he's not really a Ava- available to be given money to yeah 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 for, those for years of to come yeah yeah so <laughs> <laughs> the things that 
um, this... without committing the genetic fallacy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The things that this indictment covers, really, in terms of the the methods that were used to undermine the election, some of these are the mm-hmm. same as the DCK. Some of them are slightly right. different, and it, and some of them very specific to Georgia. So there's the uh, making false statements to members of state legislatures, including Florida, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. That might sound a bit weird for a Georgia lawsuit Mm -hmm. because four of those states aren't Georgia. (laughs) Right. But the argument is that the efforts that Trump undertook and his, his minions undertook to try and convince other state legislatures to overturn their results as well was mm-hmm. all an effort to overturn the election which affected Georgia, essentially, which have, you know, which would have also have overturned the election in Georgia. Right. Number two is making false statements to high-ranking state officials in Georgia, such as the Secretary of State and the Governor. Um, mm-hmm. Three is the fake electors, creating a state of fake electors. Yeah. yeah. Four, harassing... Good old cheese bro. Yeah, yeah. Harassing and intimidating a Fulton County election worker. So this is... Mm, oh, yeah, yeah. Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. Yes. They gave testimony at the January 6th hearings yeah. and they were election workers and they were essentially picked out by, I think, probably Giuliani initially um, mm-hmm. and he made various claims about them. They're suing him. That hasn't come up yet in court. Um, but they're suing him for defamation, which they will probably wow. do quite well out of if he has any yep. money left, which he, he yeah. may not do because he is currently begging Trump to pay his legal fees. Yes, he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, got, he's got, yeah, understandably, in a way, he's got his own troubles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He has yeah. just sold his house in Manhattan, though, so he might ah. have a bit of money at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I hope that goes to court quickly. They got harassed endlessly by mm. people involved in the campaign and also just people once their names were out there five is soliciting high-ranking members of the united states department of justice to make false statements to government officials in georgia six soliciting mike pence to reject electoral college votes uh, properly cast by georgia's electors seven yep. unlawfully access- accessing voter equipment and voter data oh yes because that's a new one yeah yes uh, this was in coffee county in georgia mm. trump isn't charged with this this is some of the other people who who conspired to do this including Sidney Powell a couple of the people who uh, one of the fake electors Kathy Latham uh, Misty Hampton who was Coffee County election supervisor and a guy called Scott Hall who was bail bondsman who was involved in this breach as well and this was they Mm. went to um, the Coffee County elections office and essentially digitally broke into one of the voting machines to to get data out of it and that is not Okay, that's against the law. So they are included in this as well. Uh, And finally, making false statements and committing perjury to cover up the conspiracy. Those eight things essentially cover all of the 41 criminal counts which are across these 19 defendants. Wow. Apart from the ones I've mentioned already, they include Mark Meadows, uh, Trump's chief of staff, John Eastman's Jeffrey Clark, Jenna Ellis, his campaign lawyer, Ken Cheesebro, again, Harrison Floyd, the leader of Black Voices for Trump, he was one of the ones who was involved in harassing Ruby Freeman oh, and Shamos. Yeah. David Schaefer, the chair of the Georgia Republican Party, who was also one of the fake electors. Right. And Sean Still, who was another one of the fake electors. It's got to be a great name for a band, doesn't it? The fake electors. Yeah. A kind of Green Day, sort of post, <laughs> post-punk, sort of politically charged thing. Yeah, fake, yeah. fake electors, yeah. brilliant. 
One of the things that occurred to me is that the Atlanta and the Florida and what was the other one that they included in with the Georgia? The main ones that he pressured were yeah. Florida, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and that's Georgia. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because bringing it up in Georgia and as a, a state indictment, the, the one of the underlying powers of it being a state-legislated indictment is that it can't be overthrown by presidential decree. So if Trump gets back into power, he can't quash this. Yeah, yeah, he, he can't. Has no he, powers if to if, do if that. he or an ally of his get into power, mm. they, the president has no pardon power over state crimes. So, um, yeah. yes, if if he was convicted, if he saw any prison time for this, he couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't get released by the president and in fact he also couldn't get released by the governor because in many states right. the governor can also pardon people but in georgia that's yep. not the case it's one of five states where they can't do that there is a panel who meet to decide mm-hmm. on pardons and that panel doesn't have the power to release anyone until they've served five years wow so and that because and that was brought in because of the f- uh, following the other gang-related <laughs> conspirators, the Ku Klux Klan mm. in in Georgia. That, wow. So so naming Arizona and Philadelphia, Philadelphia and yep. all Pennsylvania, the other ones. Pennsylvania, and, and Pennsylvania Michigan. rather. Yeah, uh, so uh, Michigan... Naming those, would that mean that, that the charges relating to those states couldn't be overthrown either? Because um, it comes under I the mean, Georgia... This is n- not... As such, I mean, basically, mm-hmm. this is these are Georgia crimes. These are all right Georgia crimes. So, the fact that some of the activity that broke the law in Georgia occurred in other states, right, um, doesn't right. doesn't mean anything for those states. Those states yep. are, in some cases, doing their own uh, wow. investigations. As I mentioned, uh, I couldn't remember which awesome female governor it was, yeah. Katie Hobbs in Arizona. Right. Or at least the uh, Arizona Attorney General is investigating the fake electors in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, we already had, I think it was Michigan, they are charging the fake electors in Michigan. That investigation hasn't taken Trump in to account, but Katie Hobbs had suggested the Arizona one potentially could. Right. And that would be his fifth indictment. <laughs> wow. So... I want a T-shirt with fake electors and then a tour of all the uh-huh. states. You bang out an indictment T-shirt and then another <laughs> indictment comes along. It's, yeah, oh, yeah. God, it's immediately superseded by <laughs> another one. Well, yeah. the fir- I mean, I should have seen it coming, really. But the first one <laughs> I did yeah. on the day of the of the um, the DC indictment, I thought yeah. it's time for a. I'm so indicted and I just can't exactly. hide it t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. And then T Public our merch store put it into kind of review because <gasps> sometimes they do that with like political topics and they right. just want to like make sure you're not I don't know defaming someone or doing something heinous. Yeah. So I, it actually then didn't end up on our store for like 3 or 4 days and I was like oh I've missed oh, the boat no. now. But then less than 2 weeks later there's another indictment yeah. along so that's fine. <laughs> so it'll never it will never <laughs> age. It will never get old. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, so, yeah. And it, but it's been released now, unlike it's, yeah, Trump yeah. will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you want, uh, I'm so indicted and I just can't hide it. A t-shirt with a picture of Trump singing. Then uh, fallaciousTrump.com/tee. I've ordered mine already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, as you said, because of the fact that the president can't pardon people for mm. state crimes, this is the one really that 
Trump is probably, if he's got any sense at all, most worried yeah. about. Yeah. Um, because arguably, even if Jack Smith did his work in D.C. And, and Florida, Trump could go to prison, still get elected, and then pardon himself, and it would be like it never happened. This one, yeah. he's fucked. If he gets right. prison time. Yeah. And one of yeah. the, when Funny Willis came out and kind of uh, announced this after everyone had been kind of waiting on tenterhooks, she was asked by a reporter, does the RICO charge carry prison time, basically? Mm -hmm. I think people were asking whether it could be probation or something like that. And she said, this mm. is not something that can be probationary, this sentence. Mm -hmm. This is, uh, it's a five to 20 year sentence. <laughs> wow. Or a fine of up to $250,000. So the judge... Mm -hmm. Whoever he gets in in yeah. uh, Georgia could go in that direction. I think, given that he's at least supposedly a billionaire, they might see yeah. that as not, not a enough. responsible yes. answer to yeah, him yeah. being found guilty. So actually, all his bravado <laughs> about his self self proclaimed billionaireness yeah. is going to come back and bite him in the, in the. I don't know if that factors in, but it feels like it should. Yeah, to me. So, uh, Fonnie Willis is asking for a March 4th trial date. I don't know that yep. she'll get that because this is quite a complicated case given that it's 19 defendants um, mm -hmm. and so many criminal counts. Jack Smith is asking for January for the DC right. case. Florida, I think, is currently May. And uh, I don't know what the, the one in New York will be. But there's going to be some crossover. There's definitely going to be some uh, witnesses that are common to at least two of these cases and um yep. yeah with regard to dc and this one some potential defendants might be well certainly one defendant but there might be others <laughs> as they indict some of those unindicted co-conspirators in in dc i did see a timeline i think it might have been in the independent or the guardian which had the uh the timeline for the election in the run-up to the election well yeah march 4th is the day before super tuesday yeah so that is kind of quite a key date. <laughs> yeah, to get him standing up in a courtroom. Not that it'll really make any difference to his base, though. No. Because I think it's 15% of Americans that were polled recently don't think he did anything wrong. 15%. 85% think he did do something wrong or, or actually broke the law. But at right. least 30% still support him. So... <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think it'll make any difference. They're in, they're all the way in. Not wishing to commit the judge, <laughs> but it's the same demographic that believes a man with a solid gold toilet <laughs> is actually one of them. Yeah, is a blue collar worker. You know, it's a bit like believing Bruce Springsteen is a blue collar worker and attending his concerts, going, "Yeah, you're singing it how it is, man." He speaks to the common man. Speaks. <laughs> Only because I marketed it <laughs> very well indeed. Yeah. Go listen to the Obama <laughs> Springsteen podcast to, to reveal all. It's very interesting. They're very nice people, but they both are aware that their backgrounds are about pleasing their fathers and which kind of gives away that they didn't lead the rough life that they did because they ended up doing jobs that, weren't as tough as their fathers did ironically so was donald there you go yeah. yes for some reason his was a much more toxic version of that yeah yeah, yeah. For, oh mind you oh i was just gonna say but there must be room for a trump podcast about this <laughs> stuff hey we're doing it yeah <laughs>
just noticed that. I can't believe that. Yeah. About five years. <laughs> yeah, five years. 130 times. Oh, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. You can always tell how smart the criminals in cop shows are by how much they run their mouths in the interrogation room. The smart ones say stuff like, I ain't saying nothing till I get a lawyer. The dumb ones answer all the cops' questions before their lawyer shows up. The really dumb ones mess up and accidentally confess to the crime before they even get asked a question. And the poorly written, unrealistically stupid characters say things like, a large, complex, detailed but irrefutable report on the presidential election fraud which took place in Georgia is almost complete and will be presented by me at a major news conference at 11am on Monday of next week in Bedminster, New Jersey. Based on the results of this conclusive report, all charges should be dropped against me and others. There will be a complete exoneration. Trump's legal team is begging him to cancel the press conference because some of them are just about good enough lawyers to understand there's no way this ends well. For Trump, I mean. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, well known for being Donald Trump's former national security advisor who pled guilty to lying to the FBI in 2017, yet not so well known for being an out-and-out shyster grifter and racketeer, is launching an online community dedicated to people who have not been vaccinated for COVID-19. So the latter may well change. Rico, anyone? For the mere trifling membership fees of two and a half thousand dollars, you can become a founding member of the community called For the Pure. This gives you access to all those uncontaminated essentials like blood donors and sperm donors and breast milk donors, surrogates and unvaccinated singles. Companies who will be listed in the directory of COVID-19 unvaccinated patriot businesses can pay the measly membership fee of $25,000 for 15 memberships. Buy one, get 1.5 extra free. Despite Flynn's reinvention of himself as a cure nonsense peddling conspiracy theorist upon whose lips the names are alleged by him, COVID co-creators Soros, Gates and Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, are never far away, can we remind you, in true genetic fallacy fashion, that he resigned after Acting Attorney General Sally Yates warned the White House that the Lieutenant General may have lied to officials about his contact with a Russian diplomat which he did, so it's not a fallacy. Also, studies have shown that the vaccine doesn't have deleterious effects on semen, nor is it unsafe to donate blood or breast milk if a donor is vaccinated. But hey, if you want to get your consumable liquids from a disgraced military man who believed that the vaccine would be deployed in salad dressing, knowing how few like-minded individuals who courageously stood against the COVID-19 jab actually eat salad, then you go right ahead. I'm guessing those same people won't ask where the actual money's actually going, hey, Mikey? And I'm sure it's a complete coincidence that a man like Michael Flynn, who's been connected to or at least spoken at various white supremacist rallies, has come up with a thing yep. called For the Pure. For uh, fuck's sake. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> Bit on the nose, if you ask me. Yes. Real-life Ned Flanders' Mike Lindell has had enough of selling all his worldly goods for two bucks and a subway token and is holding another one of his events which will change the world. And it's happening right now as we record this, which is a bit frustrating, really, because Mike promised something really amazing was going to be revealed this time, and we're most of the way through day two, and it hasn't been revealed yet, so I can't tell you what it is. 
unlike his cyber symposium where he proved once and for all that the election really was stolen and those numbers he had definitely weren't just random numbers he'd paid someone hundreds of thousands of dollars for, this one is inspired directly by God who gave Mike a top-secret plan to save America. It's brilliant and divinely inspired and will immediately secure our election platforms, Lindell wrote on the official Election Summit event page. This plan is unique, it's never been done before in world history and has not even previously been talked about by anyone. It does not rely on legislation, judges or legal actions, etc. This is such a perfect plan, the only way it fails is if we do not get the word out to the entire country. As it turns out, that might end up being the difficult part, since despite hiring a 2,000-seat venue, photos of the event suggest only a couple of hundred people showed up. But don't worry, because it's being broadcast around the world in 85 languages on (laughs) frankspeech.com. If the start of the event is anything to go by, the plan might be to accidentally show a video of a Jimmy Kimmel monologue instead of your opening video. But I haven't figured out how that will save America yet. Once he reveals the plan, which will be any time in the next few hours... I expect Trump won't even need to hold his press conference exonerating everyone because America would have already been saved. The Lord sure does work in mysterious ways. (laughs) His Lindells to perform. (laughs) Yeah. Those familiar with the funding of one Marjorie Taylor Greene's campaign for office will be familiar with Isaiah Wartman and his partner Luke Mahoney. Whilst they sound like a detective pairing that could rival the ham-fisted Waller Berkman, they could also vie for lamest money-raising duo ever as well. Wartman and Mahoney have both been ordered to pay $25,000 each in restitution and costs for a charity scam where they raised $149,000 for the Ohio Clean Water Fund in donation to the East Palestine train derailment in Ohio. Only 10000 was ever donated. The rest ended up in the charity's charitable pockets. Wartman and Mahoney founded Waymar Strategies in February this year, and Green's campaign paid the firm $71,000 in the second quarter of this year, three years after Wartman helmed her successful run to the first term in Congress. As with all TV detective double acts, there needs to be the irascible third character who they report to, and that's played by one Michael Peppel, who founded the fake charity. Oh, and previously worked for federal Republican lawmakers. Just saying, he also got fined for $25,000. See, the mistake you made, guys, was not to just set up a campaigning electoral pack Make Marjorie green again, perhaps. That way you can raise and siphon off millions of dollars and no one is any the wiser. Yeah, except all three stooges have now been banned from running, collecting or soliciting for any charitable organisation till 2027. Now that's the most charitable act on behalf of the people of East Palestine as carried out by Ohio's Attorney General Dave Yost. If you ask me, Wartman and Mahoney sounds like the triumphant return of Steve Guttenberg to the Police Academy franchise. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> well, actually, and Waller Berkman would be, you know, one of them would make ridiculous noises uh-huh. with the other one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last April, 93 House Republicans signed a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland urging him to appoint a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden's alleged crimes to ensure the integrity of the investigation free of influence from Hunter's dad, Joe. In September last year, 34 Senate Republicans went one step further, requesting that specifically Trump-appointed US Attorney David Weiss be appointed a special counsel, as this would avoid any appearance of impropriety and go a long way in restoring faith in our governmental institutions. 
Well, last week, Merrick Garland gave them exactly what they wanted, appointing David Weiss as special counsel in the investigation into Hunter Biden. And of course, since yelling about Hunter's many heinous crimes won't be as much fun if someone looks into them and says there aren't any, the exact same Republicans who signed that letter are now acting like this is some kind of deep state plot in which sleepy, useless, dementia-ridden Joe Biden has once again tricked them into demanding exactly what he wanted all along. Tim Scott said Weiss's appointment raises further questions about the independence of Biden's DOJ. Marsha Blackburn tweeted, Merrick Garland appointed David Weiss as special counsel because he knows Weiss will protect Hunter. And Ted Cruz told Maria Bartiromo, this appointment is camouflage and it's cover-up. I think it's disgraceful. All three signed the letter requesting Weiss be appointed less than a year ago. We all know the value of a good review and we'll be soliciting those unashamedly from you again at the end of the show. And we all know the humour involved in those careful cherry-picking of reviews we see adorning theatre and film posters. But when the reviewers themselves take to social media demanding not only that their reviews be taken with fistfuls of pinches of salt, but with demands that the publisher should retract them and go into the extent to link to their original reviews, you know, we must be talking about Jordan. God, I didn't know he could even write Peterson's Penguin paperback edition of his philosophical tractatus Beyond Order. While Suzanne Moore of The Telegraph noticed the book covers, quote, only read wisdom combined with good advice when her actual quote was hokey wisdom <laughs> combined with good advice. The Times' reviewer, James Marriott, pointed out that the blurb included his review calling the book a philosophy of the meaning of life, dot, 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 the most lucid and touching prose Peterson has ever written. He noticed it actually missed out the full sentence, a philosophy of the meaning of life, which is bonkers. <laughs> Adding, when he saw that edit, my review of this mad book was probably the most negative thing I've ever written. Speaking of which, Chadwick Moore's biography of hard done by victim of a conspiracy that Dominion made demands about his continued employment as part of the settlement deal from Fox, entitled simply Tucker, has made no inroads whatsoever to any bestseller list at all, selling just 3,227 hardcover copies. This places it at number 57 on Amazon's biography list, just behind the graphic novel Persopolis, the story of a childhood, which came out in 2004 at number 52. And the audible version of presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy's 2021 book, Woke Inc., at number 53, the Kindle version of Tucker didn't even break the top 100. The only meaningful review of the veracity of the content came from Dominion themselves, who said, as the Fox principals who negotiated the settlement well know, Dominion made no demands about Tucker Carlson's employment orally or in writing. Any claims otherwise are categorically false and a thinly veiled effort to further damage Dominion. Fox should take every effort to stop these lies immediately. I, for one have a sneaky feeling about which book we'll be reading next for our patrons. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> a story about an ignorant Karen who is a trustee of a school district in Texas could be seen as depressing, infuriating or exactly the kind of thing we expect. But I prefer to look at the positive, that some of her fellow trustees are awesome fucking heroes. The Conroe Independent School District has a probably quite reasonable policy against political displays in classrooms which are not related to the curriculum. 
In their latest meeting, trustee Melissa Dungan said she wanted that policy to go further because she claimed a number of parents had reached out to her about supposed displays of personal ideologies in classrooms. Melissa sadly said, I wish I was shocked by each of the examples that were shared with me. However, I'm aware these trends have been happening for many years. You're probably wondering what kinds of displays of personal ideologies she's talking about. Her fellow trustees were curious and asked for examples. And so Melissa, who looks exactly like you're picturing her right now, <laughs> gave one, which I can only assume she made up on the spot. She cited a first grade student whose parent claimed they were so upset by a poster showing hands of people of different races with a message about inclusivity that they transferred classrooms. Awesome co-trustee Stacey Chase asked, Just so I understand, you're seriously suggesting that you find objectionable a poster indicating that all are included? And possibly even awesomer co-trustee Datron Williams asked Melissa if Bible verses also violated the policy and whether they should be removed. Melissa, according to the ABC 13 report, struggled to respond. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile in the UK, remember Nadine Doris Madnad, who said she'd resign her seat after her name was taken off Boris Johnson's peerage slash knighthoods, etc. resignation dishonours list? Well, she's hedged her bet so long, she's still not resigned, so long that 75,000 people have signed an online 38 Degrees petition urging her to do so. A town council in her constituency has demanded she step down, and even Rishi has said he believes her constituents are not being properly represented. He hasn't yet expressed full confidence in her, so I don't know, she may well last for another 10 weeks. Meanwhile, her television career on GB News has come under scrutiny from the Parliamentary Ethics Committee, given that it's a second job, and all second jobs are to be vetted for possible conflicts of interest. And hers wasn't. And it is. Bullet-headed, elected Member of Parliament thug and actual Deputy Chair of the entire Conservative Party, 30p Lee Anderson, got so vexed with the fact that since the UK left the EU, the EU agreement about returning refugees slash migrants slash asylum seekers to the EU country from which they've travelled to another EU country, of course, no longer applies to Britain. That, in talking about shutting asylum seekers up on a large container-based floating barge slash prison ship, said, if they don't like it, they can fuck off back to France, which they can't do, because Brexit. And what the fuck is an actual elected, actual member of actual parliament doing saying that kind of thing out loud on television? And some commentators in the Tory party are worried that if things continue like this, they might be viewed as the nasty party again. <laughs> Might be, might be. Never let it be said that they're out of touch. Hey. <laughs> so that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousdrump.com. And if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our newest patron, James Lockwood, our strawman-level patrons, Laura Tomzik, Renee Zed, Schmutz, Mark Reiki, and Amber R. Buchanan, who told us when we met her at QED, we could just call her Amber. And our true Scotsman-level patrons, Stephen Bickle, Janet Uetta, Kaz Tui, Andrew Houck, and our top patron, Lauren. 
Thank you so much for your continued support, everybody. Really is very, very much appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.